Hi everyone! Before beginning today, we would like to thank all of you who listened to our first podcast episode and started following us on Instagram. We would love to hear your feedback, so please get in touch with us if you loved it or hated it, because we want to improve. Last time, we welcomed you saying The Pursuit is a platform created by three women who believe we can pursue change working together with global women, sharing their experiences on international issues related to the G20 task forces and empowering women. We invited today two women from Saudi Arabia to discuss the future of work and entrepreneurship. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Pursuit. We believe the G20 is an extremely relevant meeting for international cooperation. And at the same time, it is one of the most private and exclusive events in the world. Therefore, we believe there is little representation of people in general and especially minorities. For example, this year, Japan is the host of the G20. And in the last meeting, there was one woman. And you heard that, just one woman. Therefore, our objective with this project is to explain little by little the G20 process, inviting women guests who are experts on the topic and being discussed by global leaders at these meetings. These topics are also known as task forces. Every year, the world's leading think tanks develop policy recommendations to help G20 leaders address pressing global challenges and seek a sustainable, inclusive, and resilient society. The G20 presidency, which is Japan for 2019, is responsible for appointing co-chairs for T20, the official international think tank network of the G20, who will be responsible for establishing concrete policy proposals through these so-called task forces. Today we have special guests Sarah Al-Sharki and Sumo Al-Kuder with us. Sarah and Sumo, can you please share a little bit about yourself? How about you go first, Sarah? Okay, so uh, I, I'm Saudi and I grew up in Saudi Arabia in Riyadh. I went to school for 13 years here in Riyadh, then I moved to the States back in 2008. I went to the University of Denver, got my bachelor's degree in sociology, and now I'm working at the Public Investment Fund, and that's how I met Nancy. Thank you, Sarah. And how about you, Sumo? Hi, so my name is Zumo. I also grew up in Saudi Arabia. Unlike Sarah, I've studied all my life high school and college in Saudi. I got my bachelor's degree in biomedical sciences and nanotechnology, and I'm currently working uh, for the Public Investment Fund. Sumo and Sarah, thank you for sharing a little bit about yourselves. It would be great to hear more of what it was like growing up there, especially since, Sarah, you spend a lot of your time in the U.S. Uh, versus Sumo um, in Saudi. I was privileged to have been brought up in a home where both of my parents didn't really discriminate between genders and uh, they promoted equality and gave us equal opportunities for education for me and my sibling. And um, I think it all goes back to my, my family and how they paved the road for me and whatever it is I wanted to pursue. I, I understand that not everyone experiences the same privileges. Um, did you feel um, something similar, Sarah? As you expressed, my experience was a little bit different. So I don't have a lot of experience growing up here in Saudi, especially as an adult, because uh, when I hit puberty, is that's when uh, we moved to the States. But uh, growing up, my parents have always been supportive of my education. Uh, as Samu said, my parents helped pave the way for me uh, to get to where I am today. And uh, both my parents are very supportive of us, like uh, me and my siblings, and there is no uh, discrimination or like they don't favor uh, one gender 
mind there over the other, which uh, I think is a privilege because hearing all the stories like that are roaming on the media. I mean, I never, I was never once able to relate to that. And I feel a lot of privilege and I'm thankful for my experience and my parents and my home. Um, did you have close friends who weren't able to have similar sets of freedoms or enablement? Uh, well, my circle usually is like the same because even when I went to school in Saudi, I was like in a private school and everyone around me had almost the same experience as me. So I never went out of my uh, like circle and like uh, went to like places of maybe less status. So uh, I just didn't have that opportunity to meet people who come from different walks life. Okay, yes. And, and Sarah and Sumo, you both mentioned that you work um, at the Public Investment Fund, um, which is very difficult program to get into. So congratulations to both of you. Did your family encourage you to work? And what was their role in that? So in the, my family, fortunately, they did support me. And they were actually the ones who encouraged me to apply to a Public Investment Fund. I never really felt like something was so far out of reach or impossible uh, growing up. And I come from a family of uh, accomplished individuals. My father is a lawyer. My mother is an economic advisor. My grandma actually was the first full professor in sociology in the kingdom. And she founded the sociology department at King Saud University. And ever since I was a kid, I remember any uh, hobbies or things that I liked, my parents would actually encourage me to reach further. So I remember one time I uh, I was interested in, in skincare and nutrition, and they, they encouraged me to start my own line of uh, cosmetics and skincare as well as uh, they've encouraged me to start like have summer jobs every summer since I was a kid um, and that really instilled in me so many of the work ethics I carry into the workplace with me today so I'm really thankful for that. Uh, thank you Sumo. Uh, Sarah did you want to add anything? Yeah, well, um, my experience is a little bit different because uh, my mom is actually a stay-at-home mom and uh, my dad didn't finish his education, but he just had this dream of us getting to the top and like actually earning degrees. So that's why he um, moved us to the States. He actually wanted us to have like a better education. So they were very encouraging of uh, us getting to the place that we were, we we're at today and like learning a second language and actually speaking it fluently without being because um, English is like I don't know how to say this but uh, you have to speak to speak English to get ahead in Saudi so that was like his number one mission is to actually get us to speak this language and um, I actually adapted a lot of other skills that helped me to get to where I am today and uh, I am so thankful for my parents for having this vision for us and yeah no it's 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 always um, our parents always have a big impact in how we see the world um, and and certainly my parents have also played that role. So it's really uh, heartwarming to see that you've had similar experiences, both of you. Yes, definitely. And especially learning how important family values are to shape us throughout life and inspire us to pursue fulfilling careers. So since our topic today is the future of work, I'll make a brief connection to what you just shared with what the G20 considers an issue for the future of work. Several major technological transformations, such as artificial intelligence, fintechs, and the Internet of Things, are putting the global economy on a new track. They will bring immense economic opportunities, such as new ways of doing business, new industries, new and better jobs, higher GDP growth, and better living standards. At the same time, they will create challenges for individuals, businesses, and governments. 
Policy actions are needed to harness the opportunities and ensure the benefits are shared by all. We know that Saudi enacted a national plan called Vision 2030 to diversify its economy by reducing the dependence on oil and improving health, education and infrastructure. The plan also makes bold statements regarding the role women will play in this process. Our economy will provide opportunities for everyone, men and women, young and old, so they may contribute to the best of their abilities. Saudi women are yet another great asset. With over 50% of our university graduates being female, we will ensure to develop their talents, invest in their productive capabilities and enable them to strengthen their future and contribute to the development of our society and economy. With that said, what do you girls think about this statement? It's a great time to be a Saudi woman and nowadays because like with everything changing, I feel like very lucky uh, to be from this generation. Uh, I don't know what I would have done if I was living in a past generation. And um, I feel like these are basic rights that have been uh, granted to us. These are things that are supposed to be present, like 10, 15, even 50 years in the past. But I think what's happening in Saudi is great. And uh, I'm like 100% with it. And like, I I would love to see more things changing uh, regarding uh, the gender role and like women in the workforce and uh, women in other sectors and uh, and society so yeah so sarah just a follow-up question do you think changes have already been made especially since vision 2030 was enacted yeah uh, i mean i was just uh, telling sumu about this incident i was at the gas station and uh, i was filling up the gas the helper that was helping me was a woman and when i turned my face there was another woman fixing a tire that was like something that I'd, i would have never expected like a year ago not even that long ago like even a year ago i wouldn't have expected a woman to a saudi woman to be working in a gas station so yeah definitely these changes are starting to show and like you can actually notice them and see them Remember, Sarah, when you took us driving and we went to get tea at night, there was a woman also who had her own tea stand and it was like the middle of the night and I thought, um, that was really cool too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like the even the food truck phenomena that's happening in Saudi is like fifty percent women owned. So, like fifty percent of ownership is women. So, it, it's really nice to see them working and like earning their own living, not not being dependent on men, even if it's like simple things like these. But that already makes a huge difference. And what are your thoughts on all of this, Sumu? So, in regards to the statement from Vision Twenty Thirty. I believe this is already happening. Take the GDP program at PIF, for example, as well as programs such as the CMA, SIDF, and Tadawul, among many others. Um, Those have enabled recent graduates to be well-equipped and ready to enter the workforce. And as well as the scholarships that happened in the prior years, about 10 or 12 years ago, they allowed women to have the opportunity to pursue undergraduate and graduate programs at top-notch universities, which also enabled them to come back being ready to enter the workforce. And I believe uh, founding universities all over the kingdom has also empowered both women and men. Yeah, it's impressive how education has an enormous impact in promoting gender equality. So definitely encouraging women to study will lead to an increase in their representation in the country's workforce. 
Um, as a matter of fact, according to the World Bank, women now represent 30% of the total Saudi workforce in the private sector, up from 12% in 2011. So what policies do you think contributed to these numbers and what other actions could be considered to further incorporate women in the future of work? The government took the lead in hiring women when they hired Princess Rima bint Bender, who now serves as the first female ambassador to the US. And the government loosened regulations such as gender workspace separation, among others. And because of that, the private sector was encouraged. Another policy that I think contributed to these numbers is allowing women to drive, since it's been a costly affair for pri private companies, as well as government governmental companies to hire women. Um, and I believe the policies are already in full force. I don't see anything posing as an obstacle for women to work today, um, except for maybe, I guess, providing more female-friendly facilities. Uh, I mean, most companies already have that, uh, but I think it'll take time, but it's definitely going to happen. Uh, some governments and private sectors are still resisting, but uh, the ladies are proving to be an asset for businesses, and time is all we need. Um, more people will definitely be, be accepting in due time, I'm, I'm sure of that. I'm glad you mentioned that women being able to drive was a major policy contribution to increase female participation in the workforce. So actually, I recently found out that last month the government established that women will no longer need the permission of a male to travel. So how do you think people are coping with these changes? So from my perspective, I think or actually I see both men and women around me have been pretty excited about these changes. And in terms of the male guardianship policy, while well, values are extremely important to us Muslims um, and as Saudis, and the value of family is extremely important. So even with the male guardianship policy being revoked, I would still look for my father and brother's blessings. However, it's great to see it has been revoked because some women did need it, um, unfortunately. Um, I just, I, I personally don't think this issue in particular was being abused by the typical male guardian. Um, however, just like anywhere else, there are, um, there are people suffering from it. So it's great to see these changes taking place. And this policy really helps uh, women entering the workforce because uh, it makes traveling for business easier. And um, other than that, I think everyone's really excited and we can see changes happening at a really fast rate. And the youth is adjusting. And as I've mentioned before, there is some resistance, but I think everything will change in due time. And yeah, we just need some time and uh, we're getting there. All right, so I, I honestly never understood where those laws came from. Like, it honestly made no sense to me. Like, I, I just don't know who put these laws there to even start with. But I mean, um, I, I always like to go around and like do my own little research and like how people are reacting to the new laws. And surprisingly, I mean, more people are accepting and like more people are actually embracing these laws than I expected. And uh, I'm so happy to see these changes and I'm so happy to see that people are actually happy about it. Because before like the Guardian 
citizenship was revoked and before like all the women uh, weren't able to drive and like everything that was happening in the past and like every time I ask women or like people that I meet for the first time and like it's just my personality like I just like like to go around and ask like what people think of certain things and a lot of people were against it a lot of people were like we like these laws and I feel like it all goes back but you know like when the higher power is okay with it then everyone is okay with it so that's how I see it myself as Simu mentioned before uh, other laws were, were actually like uh, she talked about education and like scholarship and I, I think that's really smart of her because I have always thought that um, not just like the policies that are put now that are contributing to the change even like laws that were put like uh, way before like with King Abdullah and uh, the scholarship he was like he was the one who opened the um, scholarship for women and that was like even before uh, before everything that's happening now and uh, giving them the exposure to um, earn a degree in a foreign place and like earn pers- like another perspective and being more open-minded what you mean is uh, like being flexible and agile in, ch- in terms of change yeah so in 2020 the g20 summit is going to be held in riyadh saudi arabia and um, i know both of you already know this but the g20 is an international leaders forum comprising 19 countries and the european union collectively the grouping represents more than 80 percent of the world's economic output and two-thirds of its people its primary aim is to promote international financial stability and given that this grand event or summit will occurring in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. I was just curious from your experiences and your perspectives, uh, what else do you believe um, the G20 should cover? And more specifically, is there an aspiration or one aspiration for your country you would like it to be? So Sumo, you can go first. Thank you. So an aspiration that I would like for my country is to reduce the cost of setting up businesses in Saudi Arabia, especially for entrepreneurs and and startups. A lot of it is already being done, but uh, I'd like to see more because I I have a few startups and uh, it's it's kind of a hassle to to get visas. Yeah, I guess get like working permit and a permit for the company as a whole to to work and for for Saudi Arabia to use this unique moderate position as an influential leader in the Arab and Islamic uh, world to help bridge the gap between developing nations and developed nations. Um, I would also love to uh, become a leading country in research and um, to apply those the findings both locally and internationally um, and hopefully and hopefully become the largest uh, sovereign wealth one. But yeah, mainly to um, reduce movement of goods and or and people barriers I, I mean like you have to we have to protect our economy but we also should make it more accessible and there's so much concentration of uh, economic activities in major cities like Riyadh and Dammam and Jeddah however th- there are already efforts being made in this but I'd like to see a bigger effort towards smaller cities because they'd be spreading economic activities and growth within the kingdom so I believe potential is unlimited and we're getting to see a lot of policies uh, being put help us utilize this and it's great no those are a lot of really great perspectives <laughs> and um you know maybe through your work with the public investment fund you can make some of that happen Simo. Um and uh sarah what what is an aspiration you have for your country in the items that you wish the g20 could cover 
I definitely support everything that Sumo has covered. And I think it's very intellectual of her to dive that deep because I don't have that. I don't have that kind of background on like economic status or like how Saudi is performing economically and like financially. But um, I, I hope to see it reach where it, uh, where it's um, aspiring to be in 2030. And um, there are like so many things that I aspire for my country on the, like on a micro level and on a macro level. But um, I feel like changes are already taking place and I think it's just right. I, I want Saudi to be like the leading country of the Islamic values that go against racism. I would actually would love to see uh, those Islamic values being more embraced. And I, I would love for Saudi to be that country that people aspire to be one day, you know, like Norway in a way. <laughs> Everyone wants to uh, reach its like educational level or you know what I mean, right? Yeah, no absolutely i think that is always a, a noble aspiration and you know racism isn't i mean where i'm from the us so racism is very prevalent here but it happens everywhere right and so if there's a way to like you said use our values to prevent that that would make the world better don't you agree yeah especially that islam is like a lifestyle so i feel like if we embrace more of our islamic values because i feel like islam has been like um even saudi in general like it's been um, like sexualized like they're putting a lot of uh, emphasis on like women and gender and stuff and like things that are like how women should dress and like stuff that are actually not important in a religion there are like a hundred gazillion things that are even more important and should uh, seek more attention so Sumo and Sarah, is there a woman leader or more than one who you find inspirational? Um, okay, yeah. So as I mentioned before, I think two influential people, women in my life are uh, my mother and my grandmother. Other than the reasons I've already mentioned, they had a lot of um, obstacles come their way, but they never took that at face value and they never let that stop them from uh, from reaching where they wanted to, to be. And they do it with such grace. So I find that very inspiring and I, I try to be more like them every day. No, thank you. You're really lucky to have them. <laughs> and Sarah, how about you? Actually, I know my mom is a stay-at-home mom, but um, she, in my eyes, is a leader. Like she led the family to the success, I'd say, hopefully. But um, she was a major contributor to everything. In my my older sister Hala, and if I had to choose someone from the media. Uh, this this will sound funny, but I think like music industry. I like women who challenge the set rules, you know, like the set rules. Like they, I like women who who like to challenge that. So and like break everything, you know. So I'd say maybe like not maybe, but I've I've always liked Nicki Minaj and like I respected her in a way. <laughs> but yeah, and I also like uh, I would say uh, Princess Rima bin Bender. She is definitely an inspiration to me because she is one of those women who, who challenged set rules. Okay, thank you. And um, I'll make sure to learn more about both of those women. And um, yeah, your, your mother sounds amazing. <laughs> so uh, before we end, um, could both of you share uh, one book or movie or series that you really enjoy and a topic that you've really been into recently? Um, if I had to choose one book, I'd say it's Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg and Nell Scovel. Sheryl was the COO of Facebook 
And Lenin is actually also a global community dedicated to helping women achieve their ambitions. And there is a chapter in Riyadh and uh, they host talks with influential people from different sectors and support women in pursuing their dreams. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a really cool community to be a part of. Uh, and in terms of a topic that I've been into recently, it's not really a topic, but uh, I've been trying to understand the stock market more. Um, since my background isn't really in uh, finance or uh, or anything business really, uh, anything business related, uh, I'm just trying to figure it out and understand it more. And I've I've been interested in uh, uh, investments and investment management. So I like more audio things. So I'm like more into documentaries and like TED talks. Is there a TED talk that you watched recently or which you feel was something you recommend? Yeah, so uh, I don't have the name for it, but I watched like a TED talk on, um, on uh, like I was uh, really interested on like how to grow your confidence and like your self-esteem and like actually be the, the, the supporter of, uh, of your own uh, well-being, like towards someone else for support and actually like get that kind of support from within and actually sh show your confidence. I, I was I was really interested in that topic and I did a lot of research and um, there was uh, like a, a coach who did a, a TikTok um, has like a, like 10 million views so probably watched it I, I'm not sure but um, I'll make sure to send you the link. Okay, yeah, absolutely. And um, I also believe the Lean In series that Sumo mentioned, they have a, a, set, a topic on, um, you know, how, how to be confident, how to speak with confidence. It's on their website. But that, that sounds really something that I would watch. So thanks for sharing. And thank you both for sharing with us your thoughts on women in leadership. And we hope you have enjoyed participating in the pursuit.